title of the message today is The Gospel, It's Still Changing Me. And uh, after studying the Word this week, uh, it's just the truth. I mean, it's still penetrating my heart. It's still refining me. It's still changing me. I think you'll see that in the message. And uh, so I wanted to just start by asking you this question. Um, is, is the gospel changing you? Is the gospel changing me? Can we look back? Did it change me this last week? Is there something different about me this last week? Did it change me this last month? It's just a good check-in, right? Kind of get reflective at the end of a year and you think about, okay, 2016 in the books. Did I change? Did the gospel of Jesus Christ change me this year? Or the opposite is, right? You're kind of like, I've arrived. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, it's not, doesn't need to change me. I already got all that and it's done. And here I am. <laughs> I came to church. I've arrived. And uh, I pray that's not us. I pray that we wouldn't be um, proud, but that we'd be grateful and that we'd be ready to be changed again by the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Let's uh, open to Acts chapter 9. And read Acts chapter 9, 32, verse 32 through 10, 23. Um, bigger passages in Acts, some narrative here, but definitely um, some good things to see about how the gospel is changing me by God's grace. All right? So Acts chapter 9, if you're there, go ahead and lift up your Bible. Show me that you're there. All right. Good, good. I like this. Got a bunch of Bible bangers in our church. I love it. Let's go. Come on. Hungry for the word today. Verse 32, right where we left off, okay? Verse 32. I said that, and I just had this thought. I just got to, you all look down, and you all, oh. you know, right where we left off. But if you didn't hear last week's message, it's okay, because they all stand alone. And, by the way, you can go listen online. You can go catch up on all of Acts online. It'd be a marathon. Kind of like watching the Star Wars trilogy. You're really like, oh, going to take a while. But you can catch up. And uh, there's some power in what we've been talking about. Amen? Amen. All right, let's keep going. Um, now as Peter, verse 32, as Peter, so we're back to Peter now. Weren't we with Peter in chapter 2? And then all of a sudden it was like Saul came on the scene, Stephen was there for a little bit, the deacons were introduced, and then Philip was the main character, and now Saul gets converted to Paul, and now back to Peter. All right. Got to have Peter in there. Let's weave this thread today. Now, as Peter went here and there, and I like to say everywhere among them all. So since it's among them all, I could say everywhere, right? I mean, it's got to be everywhere if it's all, right? So here, there, and everywhere. Uh, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. So there's some people there that believed in Christ, probably because the persecution, right, that moved people from Jerusalem out, and probably because Philip, and we already had that cover that story, right? He was at Azotos, and then he went up to Caesarea. So he would have hit this area uh, as he came through there. Maybe I'll just show you the map. Would you guys like to see the map? All right, let's just see the map now. All right? I had that in point one, but let's just see the map now. If you get the first map up, Jeremy, you got it. Bam. All right, so Jerusalem's over here. Lida, Joppa, Caesarea. And uh, Azeros would have been south of Joppa there. So um, that's, that's the map. You guys, know, you guys know where you're going now. Okay, as we read, you can have that in your head. There, 
I just don't you love it when the pastor like pulls like a ah, sorry we're not doing that we're doing this not what we talked about that's awesome there he found a man named Aeneas bedridden for eight years let that sink in whatever your problem is whatever you came in here with I mean that's a long time who was paralyzed didn't leave his bed for eight years did I mention that and Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. Whoop! And all the residents of Lydda said, Whoop! And Sharon said, Whoop! Like, they're like, What just happened? And they saw him and they turned to the Lord. It's amazing. This is great stuff today. Okay, the verse 36. Now there was, because i got to keep moving because it gets better. <laughs> and there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Literally, Tabitha is in Aramaic, Dorcas is in Greek, but her name means gazelle. Let's just call her gazelle because that's just a lot prettier. All right? Just, just saying. All right? <laughs> Sorry. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. It's like, how abrupt is that? She's great, full of good works and charity, acts of charity. And it's like, ill dead. Like, didn't take long. Terminal cancer, two day, dawn, you know, boom. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him. So I like to stop here and say, if you were going to urge somebody, how would you urge them? I'm going to let you guys have a crack at it. Uh, the next several words there should be said with urgency. And I know it's going to be hard because you're not all on the same page, but you just say it however you want to say it. Nobody cares. And with urgency, you guys read what they said. Go. Please come as soon as possible. Now, where were you guys at 9 o'clock? like a bunch of mouses mice Whatever. i only got a couple hours of sleep i had to like plow out my driveway this morning which is the first time ever I'm not a city slicker anymore oh my goodness sorry just humor me um it was urgent it was urgent i mean they're they're like dude you got to get over here now come now please come now so Peter arose, and he went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. Of course, because that's where Gazelle was. And the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. So tunics is literally like your undergarment. So we'll just say long underwear on a day like today. She, she made long underwear, right? That's what she did. She's pretty good at it. And because uh, they're like all holding it up. They're like, hey, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. You know, like just that seems like something ladies would do. Guys would just be like, she's dead. You know, I'm just saying like, but, but ladies are like, hey, you know, here's a quilt she made and here's this and here's a doily. And like, she was awesome. I'm crying. Guys are just like, I think we got to face the facts. She's dead. Anyway, um, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, there's a difference between ladies and guys. All right? I'm just saying. 
All right, not to be hard-hearted or anything like that, or, or insensitive, but Peter, who's on mission, is like, put them all outside, all right? Okay, and, and knelt down, I'm sure he did it nicely, and knelt down and prayed and turned to the, bo- uh, to the body and said, Tabitha, arise, and she opened her eyes. What? This is like coming back from the dead stuff. This is a big deal. Like, I mean, I know it can happen. I know Peter knows it can happen. He saw Lazarus. He met Jesus. Like, but this is like significant. What just happened exactly? She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, sure they had like lots of stories about what she made and he's like no 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 she's here she's here she's alive you can just think about that he presented her alive no explanation point nothing in the scriptures i'm just like just oh hum she's alive oh hum like that's crazy there's some cool stuff in acts and uh and it became known throughout all joppa and many believed in the lord and he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Sam, Simon a tanner. So the reason Simon a tanner is important is that's where he's staying. The reason it's important that he's staying there, we're going to talk about clean and unclean things. It's interesting, just an interesting fact. Jews didn't like tanners because tanners were making leather from animal skins and animal skins were dead and they didn't touch dead animals. And so to live or stay in his house, it would be he's unclean. And so it's kind of weird. So I'm kind of thinking, why is he there? But we know that Jesus said, when you go, go to the house. And if they welcome you, what? Come in, right? And if they reject you, then they do this thing with your feet, you know, brush your feet up and then just keep going, right? And, uh, so he was welcomed at a place where probably was uncomfortable for him. It's just a little interesting that God's already at work putting Peter in the right spot to change Peter's heart. Okay, keep going. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion. That's, guess how many people that he was over? 100, great, perfect. That's pretty easy. Of, of what was known as and the Italian cohort. Now, how many soldiers are in that? That was the harder one. 600. Hey, Joe, you're back. Second service, thanks. Awesome. So 600 or more, but 600 at least. A devout man. This is the point. He's a devout man. He's a good man. You know anybody like that? He's just a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a God-fearing guy. He's just a good guy who feared God with all his household Right? So he's like, not just for him, not just hiding under a bushel, but like everybody, gave alms generously to people and prayed continuously to God. About the ninth hour of the day, that's three o'clock in the afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision an angel. You're like, what? This, is, this stuff doesn't happen every day, just so you know. Like, this is crazy. Of God, come in and say to him, Cornelius. He's like, yep. And he stared at him in terror. I call that frozen by fear. I don't know what to do. I can't move. I'm frozen. It's a different kind of paralysis. All right? And 
What is it, Lord? Hey, I'm here. What do you got? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, who is, whose house is by the sea. If, if you weren't making this up, like, this is just crazy. Like, if people were making the Bible up, they wouldn't pick the same name. All right? Just, just saying. Like, if somebody wanted to write a story and make it fictitious and try to prove something to you, like, oh, there's a God and he's alive, they wouldn't use the same name. They just wouldn't do it. So this is just crazy. The Holy Spirit's being clear through an angel. Like, this is what's happening. Very clear because there's two Simons involved. They don't want you to get confused. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey to Joppa, right? And approached the city. Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour. So if the ninth hour is three, what do you think the sixth hour is? Noon. Noon. We're going to go with noon. Okay, good. Noon. Um, to pray. And he became hungry. Well, it's lunchtime, so that's not a bad thing. And wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it he fell into a trance so i don't know what a trance is and you know you can study that all and whatnot but later they call it a vision so i'm just going to say it's a vision okay and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending being let down by its four corners upon the earth in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air unclean things and there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Of course I will. No, Peter's not that guy. Peter, Peter's not that guy. Just say it. He's not that guy. Peter, you're probably not that guy either. So whatever I say to you, you're going to be like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Just whatever you say, I'm not doing it. Right? That's Peter. There's some of you in here. You're like, some of you guys are in here. You're just like, whatever you say, I'm not doing it. I'm going to question it. I'm not going to do it. Right? This is Peter. So Peter, ever so politely in the Greek, Peter says, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or clean. I, just, I won't do it. I won't break the fast. I won't, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to eat something that you've told me not to eat in Leviticus chapter 11, 25 through 26. Don't look that up later. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. I circled that in my Bible. Why did it happen three times? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did uh, Jesus restore Peter afterwards? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Okay, so does he have his attention? Is it pretty important? All right, how many guys come to the door? Oh, I got to read that part. Three guys. So there's something here. He's just making it really clear. He's getting Peter's attention. No coincidence in God's kingdom here. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, if you want to read a little bit more, I've written in my margin here, Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verse 14 through 23. If you want to read a little bit further on clean and unclean and what Jesus said about 
clean and unclean, th- since I, I believe Jesus is the one talking to Peter, and uh, that's why he calls him Lord. So anyway, you could go read Mark 7, 14 through 23. It would really be a good read for you today, uh, clean and unclean. Different message for me, but go read that. It'll be really informative for your own walk. Um, now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed, he's confused as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. He's like, I'm not getting it. I don't get it. Okay. Behold. So listen, listen, listen. Now at the same time, he's not getting it. Listen, listen. There's a, it's coming together at the same time. He's not getting it. Listen, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called and asked Simon for Simon, whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. Now, just, there's no street signs. There's no GPS. There's no, like, I can get there at a certain time, you know, if I just do this. There's no, like, planning going on here. It's just, like, get there as quick as possible. Two-day journey. This is, this is astounding that at the same exact time, the Bible goes out of the way to say, listen now, at the same time he's confused, these guys show up. It's part of the equation. And while Peter was pondering the vision, so he's just like, I'm, I'm scratching my head. I don't, I'm rubbing my chin. I'm very contemplative. Um, the Spirit said to him, so guys are at the door, Holy Spirit here talking to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation or without distinction. No matter who it is at the door, no matter what they look like, no matter what background they have, no matter how different they are than you, Peter, go with those guys. Three of them. It's becoming clearer. For I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, like, so I'm just, <laughs> just getting the story, right? These are three gentle guys going to a house, right, where a Jew is at, and they're asking a Jew to interact with them. It's not going to go well, all right? It's like, Jews don't do this thing, right? I'm not, I'm not doing this. So maybe they feel more comfortable because they're going to a tanner's house. I don't know. But like, this is just a little bit awkward, right? So, so since it's so awkward and since they're nobody and Peter's everything and they want to get him there, they're like, they're going to sell this thing, right? What's the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, like he's over a hundred guys. You know what that means? He's a hundred, hundred, one, zero, zero. Okay, good. And then an and upright and God-fearing man. He's a really good guy. He's a really good guy. And who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, like everybody that's you likes him. They tell good stories about this guy. He's really good. And if that's not enough, he was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. I mean, God is setting this up. So how do you think Peter's going to respond? I don't know about this. No, no, never, never not doing that. Well, God's got his heart a little bit better here. He's at least compliant, right? He's like, here I go. So he invited them to be his guests. All right, now let's unpack this. God has really been penetrating my heart this week on this fact. We keep preaching about the gospel every week, don't we? 
gospel this, the gospel that, the gospel message, it's powerful, here it goes, here it goes. The gospel, it's still changing me. The gospel, it's still changing me. So if the gospel changes me, what does it change me from? So let me just give you three things here. The gospel changes me from broken to believing. From broken to believing. You look back at our story, you got Peter, he comes on the scene and he's on mission, he's going here, there and everywhere and he's making disciples, he's planting churches and then you got Aeneas he finds and he's bedridden and he's been paralyzed for eight years and bedridden. Just think about that. How broken would you be? I've struggled with a bad back since 2005, and uh, sometimes it's more broken than others, but when it's broken, I'm broken. You get it? Like, y'all have something like that? Like, twisted ankle or bum knee or, like, anything? Like, you get it, right? There's this area in my life that just, there's some brokenness there, you know? can't do this or I can't have that or I it's just something's missing or I'm physically away and there's some brokenness here you can see it and Paul uh, Peter says to him great because I'm the leader of the church I'll heal you is that what he said no 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 so just get this this is really important and you can highlight this in your Bible look at that verse 34 Jesus Christ heals you who has the power to heal who is it i mean jesus christ has the power to heal say it like you believe it man like who has the power to heal he only jesus does nobody else can heal you I and mean, we live in mayo clinic city right we call it rochester but it should just be mayo clinic city right we live in like where people get healed all the time, right? So to speak. I think it's good for us to be reminded only Jesus, our Messiah, can heal us from our diseases, from our sickness, from our sin. <laughs> Healings get weird, though, don't they? We start having a healing service and people come down and I'd be slapping people on the forehead and they're out on the floor and they're like shaking like this and it, it gets weird, man. Like you study it out. You go study it out. There's a bunch of charlatans. There's some people that are meaning well but maybe uh, misrepresenting the truth. It's just, uh, I'm, it's not a message about healing so I'm not going to get onto this, okay? But I do have to say a couple things about healings because you got the healing and you got the resurrecting from the dead and it's just, there's some stuff here. So, here, here you know, there's the apostolic uh, healing, apostolic healing, right? That's what Peter has. Healing on demand, I can do it, Jesus power in me. And then there's the healing after Acts, which is much different. So if I just said it to you this way, this will just help you a, a lot. It helped me as well. Um, healing, heals, healing, heal, 79 times in the New Testament. 79 times. Only four of those times are after Acts. That should tell you something. Okay? Four of those times are after Acts. Three of them are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, 28, and 30. And it's talking about the gift of healing. We believe that, you know, I think because I, I said healings are crazy and weird and all that, 
Like then our church kind of goes the other thing where it's like squash that gift. You get it? And so there might be people in this church that have the gift of healing. They have, you know, could pray over somebody. You could see some crazy stuff go on. It'd be awesome, right? But we kind of like, because everybody's doing it charlatan and like weird, it's like we swing the other way, right? It's just we do. And then you have in James chapter 5, you have this healing. Like, if you need healing, go to the elders, ask them to pray over you and to anoint you with oil so you might be healed. Again, I want to preach on this another time, okay? James chapter 5, you go read it. But those are the two passages that are more normative for us, and, and we should look at that another message another day, hey? All right, enough said on that. You got this healing thing going on, but get to the point. Here it is, verse 35. And they saw the res- all, all the residents of Lydia, Elida and Sharon saw him. Well, of course they saw him. Can you imagine being bedridden for eight years? You get the flu for three days and you're like, stir crazy, right? Like you want to get out of the house, right? Like I got to go see some people. I got to get out. I got to eight years in his bed. I'm not sure he's coming home in a while. He might just be out for a while. All right, he's out and about. He's visiting this. Oh, yeah, hey. Like everybody's like, where'd that guy go, you know? Oh, yeah, I heard he got hurt and, you know, (laughs) And now he's out and about. And everybody's seeing him. And they're like, what happened? But isn't that what we've been talking about? That the Holy Spirit's power and healings and signs and wonders, all these things that were normal in Acts 1 through 10, it's like crazy stuff to what? To get the attention on the gospel message. The power of the gospel message is following right after every time. So you have them seeing him and turning to Jesus. What is that exactly, turning to Jesus? Believing. The belief, Jesus? The Messiah, the one they crucified on a tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's the Savior of the world. Uh, and then they tell him about that and share the gospel, and they're like, yeah, I believe. All right. It happens again in the next passage with Gazelle. She, she's sick, and she's dead, and then she's raised from the dead. And it's crazy what God is doing. They hear about Peter and what he's doing, and they, they hear about this healing, and they want to see the healing here. They even have faith to think, he can raise her from the dead. Let's just wash her up and put her in the room, and let's just go get him. Like, he could, he could actually, like, breathe life back into her. It's like, just that's a crazy faith. Hmm. I wish I had that faith. I want to believe more. You know, I think in our trial, whatever it is, whatever you're facing, it's easy to be bitter, to get hard-hearted. But, you know, when, as I studied this, I was like, well, maybe it's bitter to believing. And I'm like, no, it's not. Because when you're bitter, your heart is hard and it needs to be broken first. You never go from bitter to believing. You just don't do it without being broken. Right? So I pray there's a lot of broken people here and that you relate to that. But there might be some bitter people here that are like, I don't like my circumstances and I'm angry at God. And I, I get it. I've been there. And I'm asking that you would be broken of that 
and that you would then go past that to believing that God can do what he wants to do in the moment he wants to do it. We trust him for it, whatever it is. And even if he didn't raise her, she was in glory, right? I mean, that, that was awesome. I'm sure she was like, don't bring me back. He says, please come now. Look at verse 39. All the widows and all that were, were doing their thing, and, and uh, you know they were grieving. Look at that, weeping. Grief is real. Have you ever had somebody die in your life? I mean, grief's a real thing, is it not? And they're like showing them all this stuff. Like reminiscing is natural. It's natural to go, look at all the pictures. Look at all the, isn't it the way it was? And it was so good, right? So grief, real. Reminiscing, natural. But, but, here's the thing. He moved them out of the room. Why? Because sometimes too much of those things can get in the way of the mission. Right? The mission's still the same. We're going to go make disciples. Hey, she's in heaven, man. We're great with that. Let's go make some disciples and tell them about what God did in her life, right? But uh, they're just believing that she's going to come back, and it's so amazing. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. We need to live like that. For to me is Christ. If I get to stay on this planet, it's all about Jesus. But if I die, woohoo! <laughs> That's going to be awesome. And we've got to get ourselves into that kind of um, spirit every day as we go throughout the life that we've been given. Wrap up this point. Uh, practically, practically now, um, there are things in your life that you need. And uh, whether you're bitter about it or whether you're broken about it, we want to get to the point where we believe God for it. We believe, I just believe God has it. My bad back, I just believe God has it. Hurts when it hurts, but I just believe God has it. Right? Whatever it is, a sin, an issue, uh, uh, you know, something wrong with your body, uh, whatever it is. Just do you believe? I mean, heal the knees. <laughs> Jesus Christ rose Dorcas from the grave do you believe that he can do it? He can. He can. So individually, that's great. And practically, I just want to share this with you. Uh, you know, I personally, um, when, we, when we talk about planting a church and building and all these different things that we're, you know, trying to get into, and I'm broken over that that we're not in a building yet and that I haven't been able to lead us to that. And just, you know, it's kind of like you could get bitter about it, but I'm just like, oh, God, come on, you got to do this. Like, I can't do this in my own strength. It's not going to happen, right? So corporately, here's, here's what I would, would, would like to do as a practical application. Um, we weren't ever really going to bring it up, but the message is such that I feel like I should um, and ask for prayer. But um, our, our elders offered on a building. Um, it's pretty exciting, but it's, it's such a long shot that we weren't even going to bring it up to our church. Like it's, it's seriously like a one in a million chance that they would even bite on this. So, but that's kind of what we're talking about, isn't it? Like it's kind of what we're talking about and what, what did, what did Paul, uh, Peter do? He's like, get down on one knee, 
right? I get out of the room. I'm Peter, right? But I'm humble. I'm dependent. And I'm trusting that Jesus Christ will do it. That's belief. So I wanted to ask you, I know you got your Bibles out and everything, but if you would just join me on your knee. And um, if you would just, if you can physically, get down on a knee. And if we could just ask God. I don't know if this is the building he has for us or not. But I feel like I'd be disobedient if it didn't tell you that if we pray and ask, that he may have this as the, as the building for us. I'm not telling you specifics because I don't want you to get your hopes up. And uh, it's such a long shot. I, you know... I'm believing that God can do it. God, as a church, we're believing that even though uh, being in a building's a long shot and even though it might not uh, even look like it's even a possibility on paper, um, that somehow, some way, you would get um, the offer we've made in the, in the front of people who make decisions and that you would soften their heart and that they would see fit to... Um, to be moved by you. You say the heart of kings is like water in your hands, and so God, move the water however you want. We believe you for it, and we ask you by faith, asking uh, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. just thought that was a good practical application for us. It says there that many believed in the Lord. Many and I'm praying that many of us will leave here believing more, right? That God can do it, that he has it. All right, the second thing, really quick. Um, he, the gospel changes me from good to godly. So the gospel changes me from good to godly. So you got this guy, Cornelius, and he's a really good guy. He's God-fearing. He's leading his family well. He's telling them there's a God. And he, uh, you know, he's praying a lot, and he's giving alms, he's generous giver, like this guy makes six times more than any of the soldiers he commands. That's kind of the wage difference, six times. All right, so, and I'm sure they make a pretty good salary. So he's, he's making some coin, right? And he's like not going out drinking with the buddies, not going out with the soldiers, having a good time, whatever. He's using that money wisely to do good for people. Just think, he's a good guy. You know any good guys? You know any nice ladies? Anybody? You're looking at me with blank stares. You don't know any? Because I know some. I'm looking at a few, right? But these are good people. They're just good, generally good people. You know, they go out, hunt, you know, 100 or the whole cohort was 600. And he's like, hold on, guys. We've got to drop a knee. We've got to pray, right? And he's like, they're like, what? You know? And he's like, no, no, no. No, we need God's favor. He's praying continually. And this is the guy good guy. Is it enough to be good? What does the Bible say about good people? Where do good people go? To heaven if they're saved. That's where they go. I mean, seriously, where do bad people go? To heaven if they're saved. I mean, the point is he's missing an ingredient. The ingredient is the one and only, the biggest, baddest ingredient in the gospel soup. It's Jesus, right? So he's just a good guy. He's not Christ-like. He's not godly. He's not anything without Jesus. Now, by God's grace, God sees him. God sees what he's doing. God sees the alms. God hears the prayers, right? 
He sees the good he's doing. He hears the prayer he's doing. It matters. What we do matters. Do you know that? What we give, who we give to, it matters. Even why we give matters. Maybe matters more than anything. Maybe it's the difference between good and godly. Why you give, you know? God sees it matters. It matters if I pray and if I give. And it also matters why. Not just to be good, but because Jesus loves me and he died for me and he rose in victory for me, with me, on on his heart, on his mind, right? So that I can love Christ more and others better. So that I can lay down my life for Jesus Christ and his church. And so that I can live with him forever. And I hope with you too, forever. That's the why. So it's not just about being good, but being godly and being like Jesus Christ, sacrificing and serving the mission and the, what God's given us and how he said this. I just, I just want you to consider how Cornelius responded to the invitation to hear the gospel. How did he respond? He obeyed. He's like, yes, I'm sending people right now. And the way he sent people was so crazy. It wasn't just like dictation, like go over there, do that. He could have done that. He commands 100 people, right? But how did he do it? He used motivation, not dictation. He used motivation. He motivated them. How did he motivate them? He told them the why. You got to go get these guys. You got to go get him. Because the angel said so, because we're going to hear something from him. God's given him a message for us. It's called the gospel. I want you just to bring up in your mind somebody you know. I'm not judging salvation. I'm not judging that. God's the judge, right? But unless you know sin's an issue, right? So many people are like, ah, I grew up in the church. I'm pretty good. I'm giving. I'm praying. I'm doing good stuff. I'm at church. It's snowy, right? It was tough to get here. Like, but unless you know sin's the issue and I need a Jesus, I need a Savior, I need a, like, Messiah, a rescuer, like, just a good person. To be godly, you have to know sin is my problem. Jesus is the payment. And I'm embracing that by faith. I'm embracing that he paid for me, that I was on his heart on the cross for me. He did it for me. So do you know anybody that needs to embrace Jesus Christ? Maybe somebody really good just doesn't know that little thing. Maybe God wants to send you as a messenger this Christmas season as he did Jesus to our world to show us all, right? So that they might know good is good, but godly, that's when the gospel changes you, right? So the gospel's changing me from good to godly. And then this last thing, the gospel's changing me from confused to compliant. The gospel's changing me from confused to compliant. <laughs> you just look at the story with Peter here at the end. It's just like, what happened? He's on the housetop. He's looking for direction. God, what's next? 
He gets hungry. They're making him some food. And God's like, I'll feed you. You're hungry? You want more? You want the gospel to go farther? You want to know what your next assignment is? I'll feed you right now. And it won't be physical. It's going to be spiritual here. It's coming right at you. It's coming right now. God's like, I'll feed you here. And so he takes the sheet, right? And he's like, lets it down. I'm going to need somebody to help me. Come on, Phil. Let's do this. I needed somebody tall because, you know, it comes down from heaven. So act like you're really tall. And it just comes down and it has animals. I couldn't get the animals because they're all boxed up still. Uh, and, you know, there's a bunch of animals in there. Can you imagine? He's like, I ain't touching that. And it goes away, right? And then it comes back. And then it goes away. And then it comes back three times. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. And, and it's like, what's the point? I don't even get it. And it says right in the text, look at verse 17. And now while Peter was inwardly perplexed, he's like, no, I'm not doing that. At least he was polite about it. But he's like, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. He's not sure if it's a test on his faith or if he's, you know, supposed to do it and open a new door. Like, what, what's going on? While Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, Behold, this happens. Behold, this happens. Behold, this happens. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit says this. You know? I saw, I mean, God's, I, I don't even know if I can bring this up in church, but I'm going to do it. Like, God's been penetrating my heart on this. You ever been confused? Are there anything, any principles in the Scripture that are confusing to you? Is there anything that's like, I don't know what to do? I'll just, I'll just throw one at you. It's kind of in my purview right now like should is it okay should I should I like if I have like a Muslim you know neighbor I'll just use the word neighbor or like a Mormon or a, a homosexual neighbor like should I go to their house and eat dinner with them is that okay like I'm confused about that because on one side the Bible says be holy as I am holy. Be set apart, right? Like, touch no unclean thing, right? And then on the other side, it's like, love without condition. Be the hands and feet of Christ. They're not going to hear the message unless they have a messenger, right? So I'm like, really confused. I'm relating to Peter. Maybe you have a situation like that. That's mine. Do you have a situation like that? We're like, I'm not sure what to do. It's like, you know, Christmas party, but it's at that person's house, and I know how they act. And, I'm not, you know, last year it went really south, and, like, I'm not sure I should go, but maybe I should. And what do you do? Looking for some clarity, aren't you? I'm looking for some clarity. What happens? The Holy Spirit says. So, you know, I think we got to get alone with the Lord. Quit asking other people for advice and just say, God, I need you to tell me. And then read his word and let him speak to you through his word. That's how he speaks to us, right? And just ask God, I need you to tell me, God. I'm perplexed. I'm pondering what you're saying in your word. Here it's here and here it's there. And I'm just not sure what to do. And 
think it can be really hard. Romans 1 says foolishness and faithlessness and heartlessness and ruthlessness and you know that's all in our world and we got to deal with it and how do we deal with it it's a tough one got to follow the holy spirit's leading so even though peter didn't fully understand he didn't understand yet the, the end wasn't written yet right he hadn't met cornelius he hadn't uh preached the gospel. He hadn't seen all these people, the Spirit, fall on him like Pentecost. That'll be next week. you got to come back. Right? And, then he, and he hadn't gone back to Jerusalem where the circumcision party was like, what's wrong with you? You did that? What's wrong with you? And then he's like, well, here, here's the end of it. Chapter 11, verse 17. If then God gave the same gift to them as He gave to us when we believed, Acts 2, in the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. Got nothing to say about that. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles, I have that in parentheses because you could fill it in, then to the Muslims, then to the Mormons, then to the fill it in, homosexuals, whatever group of people you don't think God can reach and you're not willing to go to because it might be unclean, right? Just think about it. Just fill in the blank there. Then to the Gentiles, fill in the blank, also God has granted repentance that leads to life. And not just for me. I'm not any better than anybody else. You just think about this. Uh, God wanted to uh, heal Peter of his prejudice here. And the Jews didn't think that they were good. They didn't just think they were good. They thought they were better than other people. And I think sometimes as church people we can come. We're, we're not just good. We're, we think we're better than other people. That's been a problem in my life for sure. I'll just be the only one if that's the case, but. Who do you think you're better than? So I've been really wrestling this week in, in study and in my own heart. And the gospel's been changing me. And if God gives me an opportunity, then I'll take it. You know? God gives me the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody I might not be comfortable with. It's okay. No. Just a little caveat on that. I mean, you got to be careful, right? Lest you fall into that same thing. You've got to be careful. Galatians 6, 6 says that. Right? Be careful. Right? Maturity needed for these things. And, and that's why we read the Bible. And that's why we study. And that's why we grow in our faith. That's why the gospel's changing us. So that we'll be able to reach people that are harder to reach. Because they're more stuck. I've said a lot. And I'm sure uh, some of it's sunk in. Even though Peter didn't fully understand, he was willing to be compliant. And I think we need to go from confused, because sometimes we are. Why is God doing this in my life? And why does the Bible say this? And I'm not seeing it. And we just need to obey in the moment. Just a little at a time, a little at a time. God's breaking down the barriers of my heart today because he's still changing me and i pray that he's changing you as well
right? Let's stand. And uh, here's how we're going to close our service. I'm just figuring that there's some people here that uh, need healing. And uh, whether physically or spiritually, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking there's some people here that came in pretty good. I need to go to Godly today. And that's great too. I'm thinking there's some people that are confused. I'd be one of those. Sometimes it's just confusing, right? This faith we journey we're on. Until we get to heaven and we know it all, that'd be great. But I just need to co- be compliant to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God. So let, let that work in your heart. What do you need to decide? What do you need to change? What do you need to do this week, this day? How's the gospel need to change you, your heart? I just thought we'd just sing this song over you. And as you uh, think about it, as you um, just kind of do business with God, uh, when you're done, you can take communion. It's, it's here. If you know the Lord, if you're called by His name, then freely take communion be washed right remember that the gospel changes me let's pray God thank you for the gospel which changes us God there's been some times where it didn't change me or at least not where I could see it I know you're always behind the scenes working good for my life but so grateful to feel it this week you're really digging down. You're really getting into my heart and you're changing me. And I pray that we would all have that right now. God, help us to do business with you. Change us, God. In Jesus' name.